Green Divas and Green Dudes come in many shades of green. Here to help you discover and celebrate your personal shade of green are hosts Green Diva Meg and Maxine Margot, veteran radio chicks who share important news about climate change and the plight of human existence, but somehow manage to make most of it fun and sexy using at least 50 shades of green. Well, hey there, and welcome to 50 Shades of Green Divas. I'm Green Diva Meg. And I'm Green Diva Max. And we have a couple of extra Green Divas in the studio with us today. I love having more Green Divas. Right? The more Green like Divas, the merrier. We almost have an audience. I think so. They're, I love it. Well, we have Olivia Matalon, who is uh, our new intern. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> oh. The crowd goes nuts. The crowd goes wild. And her mama, Roberta George Matalon, happens to be uh, one of my dear friends from... Like kindergarten, I don't know, kindergarten, I think we started out. Yes. Wow. Yeah. See? Yeah. I have a, a really good friend from before we were even out of the moms. Really? We were like, you know, hitting each other in. Okay, normal. Roberta, we've been one up. Sorry. Sorry. So I can say I have a 63-year-old friend to match our 63-year-old. Shh. We're not really 63. We're 36. Yeah. See? You just got that wrong. It's 36. I just keep changing things. So it is like hot outside today. We always uh, talk about the weather. It's uh, inevitable. Right. We always succumb to the weather conversation. I, always. I, it's it's freaking but hot. What? You can't talk? I mean, it's like 95 degrees in the shade. Yeah. I Wasn't was that a band? Driving? 95 degrees in the shade? I don't know. Not a band. It's a reggae I, band. Reggae. Is it? Yeah. Oh, good man. Might have been 98 degrees in the shade, but uh, I think 95. I like reggae, so it's really, really interesting. I want, and, I, and, and we're hot, so I can imagine what like the animals must be feeling out there right now, and and which brings me to a uh, interesting and not necessarily hot as in sexy. No, as in like it's just saying. Like one raccoon will say to the other, "It's freaking <laughs> hot." But and, and and raccoons. Just speaking of them, it, it's um, it's interesting to <laughs> now segue n- coming on to now note that raccoons, because they're eating so much human food, are becoming hypoglycemic. They're di- getting diabetic. Are they getting all the obesity diseases yeah. that we all get? Raccoons. Rocky That's Raccoon has Rocky. too much Rocky Road ice cream. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's in the garbage. It's melting. I'm going to eat it. Oh, you know. that reminds me of something. Okay. I sat out this week on my porch and watched all the bunnies and the wildlife. I mean, I got a hummingbird that visits me, and I'm like, all oh, peaced out. Then I see this fox run across my yard with a dead squirrel in its mouth. I was like, come on. Uh, that's... Now, I know it's the circle of life, right? Yeah. But then it got worse. Hmm. Then I was driving down the road to, um, to the store. <laughs> <laughs> you go to the store? Yeah, I didn't I know saw that. I this little thing in the road, and I thought, oh, my God, it's a chipmunk, and I couldn't get out of the way. And then when I hit it, it went crunch, and I went, oh, it's just a twig. Um, came back up the hill and I was like, oh my God. I literally cried. It was a turtle. Oh, you hit a turtle? I hit a turtle. Uh, right? And they're supposed to have like armor, but not that good. Oh, I was, I literally went home I, and cried. I, and Wayne was like, so then, <laughs> circle of life. So then I'm driving down the road yesterday morning and there's a dead baby bear. And I mean, it's tiny. Oh, it was like no. this is smaller than Gracie. 
I wow. it, it, and I can't. I can't even yeah, I like. Can't. Oh my god! I was so upset. I, now I, I can't deal with that. That's yeah. that's too right? too much. I mean, you and can't. so that one, both that and the turtle, is human encroachment into their territory. This turtle's just trying to get to water or get to its eggs or whatever. Right. And the baby bear, I don't know why it was by itself and how mm-hmm. it got hit, but wow, it's that's... it's our fault entirely. Yeah, it's just you know people keep getting down at least in my area on coyotes now and you know again we've encroached on their territory we've gone you know way beyond the scope you know you know urban crawl squall whatever you want to call it uh scrawl i don't know why not potato potato but yeah it's 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 just sad <laughs> state of affairs sprawl sprawl, sprawl. it's sp- it's actually sprawl uh, yeah, I know I, what you meant. Yeah, I know. That's the crazy part. <laughs> I knew what you meant. All right. I'm glad. So we're babbling on, but yeah. we're having fun. Yeah. Well, it's, we it's, like to babble. It's fun. It's a thing. So what we wanted to talk about in this episode is the greening of the entertainment industry because, let's face it, we love our entertainment, but there's really very little green about the production process. In fact, it's sort of the... Uh, poster child for right. it's, it's a bad for, environmental for, industry. For landfills being filled more than they need to be because the the film industry, I mean, the amount of stuff they use, it's just stuff directed, just too much stuff, a lot of stuff. So, so you did a lot of homework to help us get started on this. Do you want to read a couple of these facts for us? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, we're talking about greening of sets, and um, there's been a lot of... Well, we're talking about a, a few things, but that's uh, one of them, One of right? them. Yeah, we're going to be talking about a number of things, but, you know, just getting into the topic, getting into the, the idea of what goes on. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of movie innovations, you know, not only cameras and, and, and things, but there's been a lot of special effects uh, over the years that... that and, and in this particular case... Um, going green kind of literally the green screen i mean how does that have a positive effect on things and it was invented in 1940 with the traveling mat a process used to superimpose backdrops with actors performing against a blank colored wall Uh, you see it all over on shows especially comedy shows and you think they're somewhere else Uh, but it allows actors to be anywhere in the world and the illusions by layering composites of the scenery and the filming of the actor in front of the green screen to make it look like the actor is somewhere else, maybe the Grand Canyon. Right. They probably initially developed that to save money, right? right. But as it turns out, it's also saving carbon. Right, <laughs> because absolutely. Because all the travel. The, the, the money, the time, the props, the set, and the environmental uh, and the real cost of getting to these places when you can go in front of a green screen. And also, now they have computer, gra- you know, the CGI, which is also a big thing. And that helps things. Like the first movie that used the green screen was The Thief of Baghdad in 1940. Well, there's a little movie trivia for you kids. And it, the, they used the green screen effect uh, with the entertaining genie. Uh, but there's a lot of also other interesting film facts we have Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. Uh, live birds were tied to Tippi Hedren and also thrown at her while filming the <laughs> iconic sorry. attic. Now, PETA or yeah. any animal yeah. rights organization, if that happened today, they'd be on the set screaming. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Um, Psycho was the first movie to ever show a toilet being flushed. 
hee hee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I, I'm like, yeah, so who's who's paying attention to these kinds of factoids and you or fact turds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a bit of boom. Uh, and then um, we have Stanley Kubrick. Oh, my God. Who destroyed almost all of his props and sets from 2001, A Space Odyssey, because he didn't want them to be used in any lesser science fiction film. In a word, wasteful, beyond wasteful. And it's crazy. I mean. So, so here's just a couple of facts. Big movies can generate 225 tons of scrap metal. I wonder if that's – is that annual? That's yeah. a crazy number. 50 tons of construction and set debris and 72 tons of food waste. Okay. So right away, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement, which is why a couple of our guests today mm-hmm. uh, have been getting busy in the film and television industry helping to reduce – uh, really focusing on on getting the sets to be greener, the set designers to be more mindful of how they uh, use, reuse, and recycle some of their materials. There's there's a lot to it, and and they've made some progress. Right. The crews also are learning how to be greener, both on set and in our personal lives. So that's so that's so, pretty pretty cool. Stuff is happening. In 2017, the Environmental Media Association kicked off their first ever impact summit in Los Angeles. So, it, it, you know, these things are happening. Uh, their goal is bringing about awareness and education in the green space. Uh, some of the big names were there, including our buddy Van Jones. Yeah, he's a good guy. We like him. And New York City now has an extensive green production guide that anybody who is working in production can tap into. It's really detailed. I went into it. There's a huge PDF. So uh, you can find resources, how you can... Be more sustainable on set in New York City because, of course, a lot of filming is done in New York. Which is good. Uh, there's just so much going on, and and we don't want to waste any more time with our witty banter mm-hmm. because we've got a, four really interesting people that we want you to hear from that will help illuminate this yes. topic yes, we for want us. to illuminate it very well. So meanwhile, yeah. I just want to give a shout-out for social media. Shout-out. Yeah. Find us. <laughs> Uh, at the Green Divas, at Fifty Shades of GDs, right. GDS, uh, at TM Shades of Green, and this is Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of it, and right. just go to thegreendivas.com, and you'll find it all. Right, and if you go to your Alexa and go play podcast, the Green Divas, it'll come up. Isn't it amazing? And now Spotify. Yeah. yeah, we're getting out there, man. We're, we're, we're moving and there. grooving, as they say. So find us, tweet us, send us your thoughts, follow us. And share us. Share us and, and, and be green. Hi, this is Ed Begley, and you're listening to Fifty Shades of Green Divas. Both Max and I have had a chance to speak with Emily O'Brien. She's the founder of Earth Angel. Uh, we've, we've talked to her a couple of times. Anyway, Earth Angel helps green film and television productions. So I love this. Emily equates film sets to a traveling circus as each production wastes fuel, power, and leaves resources behind after a film wraps. It sounds like a great description. <laughs> Hi, 
everyone. My name is Emily O'Brien. I'm the founder of Earth Angel. Uh, Earth Angel is the only sustainability consultancy servicing the film and television industry um, on the East Coast of the United States. And essentially, we work with film and television productions to help them track their carbon footprint and reduce their environmental impact. What we were finding was really missing was that hands-on, boots-on-the-ground kind of support. You know, it's one thing to have sustainability policies. It's another thing to put them into practice. And so what we found, because our industry is so transient and so, you know, circus-like, without sort of being on the ground with folks and hearing their, their challenges and responding to them in a really timely way, a lot of these solutions don't necessarily translate into a production atmosphere. So we really wanted to raise that level of, of accountability down to the, the cinematographers, the gaffers, the caterers. Everyone on an Earth Angel set is aware of our sustainability uh, initiatives and is an active participant in them. Just this past fall, we launched our Earth Angel Ambassador Program. And that's basically a way for the different celebrities who have worked with us in the past and who really support and advocate for what we do to kind of endorse us in an official capacity. So we have some amazing, amazing actors like Bobby Cannavale and Megan Boone and Griffin Newman of The Tick. And so we've gotten a lot of different kind of celebrity support and we're constantly trying to, to build that because they are a very powerful voice in our industry. Samita Wolf is another sustainable film production evangelist who moved <laughs> film biz recycling from Brooklyn to Savannah, Georgia, uh, where there is a burgeoning film and TV industry. Uh, Samita has a background as a set and production designer and has worked on various TV series, including The Americans, A Crime to Remember, SantaCon. Uh, well, Film Biz Recycling is a, a nonprofit that Eva Radke started in Brooklyn. It's, a, it's an environmental nonprofit. It diverts waste from landfills from the um, film industry. Once a uh, a production wraps, whether that be a you know film, television show, commercial, music video, whatever, they have stuff that they need to get rid of at the end. And I think Eva just had it up to her you know eyeballs in you know seeing dumpsters pull up and throwing perfectly useful things into them because it was just an easy thing to do. She started film biz, and in Brooklyn, for I think about eight years, it was this awesome retail space, so you could come and purchase things that were on set. The other avenue that a lot of the stuff went was donations. So it would be donated to, you know, after school specials uh, or after school arts programs, stuff like that, theater groups. It was just a way of making sure that this stuff had another life elsewhere that didn't mean being in the landfill. But as far as in Savannah goes, it's, you know, we're such a, a budding film industry that Basically, what I'm trying to do is implement good practices uh, at, the, at the start of our industry. Currently, the, our film biz recycling here in Savannah is a prop house that is stocked with inventory of stuff that's been donated. So once that film wraps, 
they'll um, give me a call and bring a truck full of stuff instead of throwing it away. And then what I do is I, you know, pick the stuff that makes sense to have props for later because this, we are also the only prop house in Savannah. So Eva Radke, who we mentioned, is the founder of ArtCube Nation. ArtCube is a peer-to-peer hiring material exchange and resources community that is helping to green up sets. Um, hi, I'm Eva Radke. I'm the founder and CEO of ArtCube Nation, which is a professional social network dedicated to the unique needs of the niche market of freelance creatives, enterprises, and film, television, and events. And ArtCube connects in real time art department professionals to the businesses and to the peers that have the inventory, availability, space, and specialized capabilities and knowledge they need for their projects. What ArtCube has done is taken away that brick and mortar and that overhead. And it's all online and it's all virtual and it goes directly from production to production. So what we did was we cut the middleman, which was me. I cut myself out. It's, it is a free cycle. It's also a Craigslist. It's also an IMDB and a bit of a, and a, bit of a Facebook. It combines all of the, the beauty of the, all of those platforms and combines them into the lifestyle and the work style that freelance, uh, freelancers have in this industry. And it's time for another Silly Science Facts with Green Diva Max. Oh, uh, yeah, we have silly science facts or weird science facts or things that we kind of bring up that relate to the topic of the show. Um, and in this case, it's entertainment and movies and greening. I came across an interesting thing. Why do we cry at movies or flinch during a fight scene? What is happening in our brains as we become immersed in the lives of those actors who bring the characters and scripts to life. Jeffrey Zachs, Ph.D., professor at Washington University in St. Louis, who teaches a course, The Cognitive Neuroscience of Film, expands the topic of psychology in the arts and sciences in his book, Flickr, Your Brain on Movies. That's like your brain on when they do the eggs you know <laughs> this, this is, is your brain, brain on drugs this, this is your is brain, your brain on, on movies so this is your brain on movies so the book explores how filmmakers have learned to take advantage of the tricks our minds are already playing on us in real life uh, he explains that our brains didn't evolve to watch movies movies evolved to take advantage of the brains we have yeah, can I just interject that sure. often I feel very manipulated by good directors. Right. And you know who's really good at that? Ron right. Howard. Right. He manipulates my emotions. I get I get upset. I'm like, oh, he's good at that. Yeah. But that's what a good director does. They manipulate us. So he, he basically said that people who can make good movies turn out to be fantastic intuitive psychologists and neuroscientists. Top-notch filmmakers have a deep understanding about perceptual psychology as well as memory and emotion. So the question is, are you taking in a movie or is the movie taking you in? Uh, Let's add a bit of science to the blockbuster sci-fi flick Armageddon to get some background. Hey, did you know that today is 
National Asteroid, asteroid Day. Day, which I is know. so weird. I know it's one of these. Okay, you're listening to this. It may not be, but but, but the day well, we're recording this, right. which is you know live to tape, <laughs> is, it's <laughs> asteroid, <laughs> National Asteroid Day, okay, and sorry. it's pretty. It's great. No, I'm glad you brought it up. That's why I sent it to you. <laughs> glad somebody thought of it. The question is, I I already said, are you taking in a movie, or is the movie taking you in? And the blockbuster sci-fi flick Armageddon uh, will give us some background. Uh, While viewing this action-packed film, I felt the Earth was doomed and that an asteroid can truly hit the planet and perhaps wipe out humanity. The actors and special effects brought me to a place where I believed that close encounters with asteroids, which we really don't know about, could cause damage and panic might ensue if we know how close they really get. There is nothing more cinematic than death by (laughs) asteroids. Drama, chaos, (laughs) anarchy. (laughs) Again, anything with roids usually has consequences. Uh, So what did Michael Bay, director of the film Armageddon, find out about asteroids when he consulted with NASA on this action-packed end-of-the-world movie? All the spaceships are great. They film scenes inside the Kennedy Space Center. Those are great. Uh, This says Mr. Kirby, a representative at NASA. But the actual scenario around the asteroid is pretty ludicrous. In the movie, a NASA scientist, played by Billy Bob Thornton, informs the president that an asteroid the size of Texas will hit Earth in 18 days. That line of dialogue is just crazy, said Kirby. Any astronomer would tell you, if you have an asteroid the size of Texas, it would have been visible probably years before. So let's get into some scientific reality with this. Near-Earth objects, NEOs, scare folks. And governments want to know how close some of these NEOs are. And on the greedier side, how can we land on them to exploit their resources? That's pretty of crazy. Course. Yeah, we, you know, they have iron. Can we maybe steal? Forget the steel plants in the U.S. We'll go to an asteroid. There are 150 million estimated asteroids in the inner solar system, and NASA follows them via the NEOWISE project, which has scanned and found hundreds of thousands of objects, including some planets, and the largest asteroid, Florence, uh, which... Flow. Well, Flow, yes. I love Flow. Affectionately known as Flow. <laughs> flow. flow. Oh, or maybe Big Flow. Big Flow, I'd say, which is 5.5 miles in diameter, which in hindsight could cause Armageddon if it hit the Earth. <laughs> hey. so, so look in the sky. It's a bird, it's a plane, and if it's an asteroid, run. Uh. <laughs> Okay, so another Silly Science Facts with Green Diva Max. And you can't really talk about the greening of the entertainment industry without talking about Sid Mandelbaum. He's the founder of Rock and Wrap It Up. It's an organization that has been rescuing food from large music and sports events and giving it to local food charities for over 27 years. And that's just one small thing in the myriad of things that this amazing guy does. But we got a chance to speak to him about that. Sid is devoted to reducing poverty and the smart use and distribution of resources. started uh, through uh, contact I had with Ron Delsner, who was a very well-known 
yep. promoter in the New York area and obviously across the country through Live Nation. Uh, Ron um, had once managed uh, Harry Chapin, and I was on the board of Long Island Cares and uh, met with Ron uh, and Sandy Chapin, and Ron said that he had leftover food backstage at his uh, Jones Beach Theater venue in 1990. And in the summer of 1991, uh, my wife and myself and some friends of ours started going backstage, picking up the food and bringing it to a local soup kitchen in the Rockaways. By doing it uh, two or three years, I realized, and I have a background as a scientist, uh, that we could replicate this in other uh, venues throughout the country if we came up with, with some simple idea. And the idea that I came up with was called contractual obligation, which means that a contract can be used as a harvesting tool if you put in the contract succinctly that you want all of your leftover food prepared but not served mm -hmm. to feed the hungry, and rock and wrap it up will facilitate the recovery. Once it's in the contract, it's ironclad, and uh, the first number of bands to join us uh, the same day, actually, uh, Rolling Stones and Aerosmith joined us. Uh, a couple of days later, we had the band Fish, uh, Bruce Hornsby, Michael Bolton, Nine Inch Nails. As per our usual way of closing, we like to find some relevant wise words, quotes, poems, and in this case, we've picked a couple of film endings or just bits of film there's a monologue i'm gonna do but max you've you're, you're doing something from billy madison yeah billy madison cracks me up that movie i gotta tell you i could watch it many many times anyway here's here's one of the a little snippet of dialogue from that movie which, which kind of really got got me and here it is this is the principal talking to billy mr madison what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that can be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. And Billy Madison says, Okay, a simple no would have done just fine. <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to read a piece from a show called Newsroom by Aaron Sorkin. Jeff Daniels plays Will McAvoy, who is a big newscaster, and he's on stage answering a student's question about America being great. This is part of his answer. I couldn't even do the whole thing. So when you ask what makes us the greatest country in the world, I don't even know what the bleep you're talking about. Yosemite? It sure used to be. We stood up for what was right. We fought for moral reason. We passed laws, struck down laws for moral reason. We waged wars on poverty, not on people. We sacrificed. We cared about our neighbors. We put our money where our mouths were, and we never beat our chest. We built great, big things, made ungodly technological advances, explored the universe, cured diseases, and we cultivated the world's greatest artists and the world's greatest economy. We reached for the stars, acted like men. We aspired to intelligence. We didn't belittle it. It didn't make us feel inferior. We didn't identify ourselves by who we voted for in the last election, and we didn't scare so easily. We were able 
to be all these things and do all these things because we were informed by great men, men who were revered. First step in solving any problem is recognizing there is one. America is not the greatest country in the world anymore. listening to the 50 Shades of Green, a collaborative gig between the Green Divas and the Many Shades of Green radio shows, happily recorded at Green Diva Studio. Be sure to look for this and other Green Diva Network podcasts and the Many Shades of Green on iHeartRadio, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and Stitcher, among other places. You can find more information about this show and much more on thegreendivas.com.